There we go. <laughs> hey, who wants to be my friend and get the lights? Oh, Aaron's my friend. Thank you, Aaron. All right. Okay, guys. Um, maybe my battery died. Watch this. Nope. Let's go backwards one. Can you go back one? Okay, great, 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 great. Uh, hey, let's pray. God, we thank you for everybody being here. Thank you for the scriptures that we're studying tonight. And the fact, God, that you love us and that... The very fact that everyone is here tonight is, and even every night they come and just their involvement and interaction with us shows your love, Lord. You are pursuing everyone in this room. So please catch them tonight. Catch them. Amen. Okay, I'm going to, do you guys like this hat? No? My wife doesn't like it. Are you all going to outvote Claire? <laughs> okay. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna wear the hat. I hope it's not a distraction, but here. Jamie's got it. There we go. Don't get distracted by that hat. Alright. So tonight we're looking at this testimonial of what happened with Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Um You'll see this is the question that I'm posing to you today. How will you respond? How will you respond? I'm asking this question because we see Zechariah and Elizabeth responding to God as God has pursued them. And in fact, he's just not just pursuing them in this. He's pursuing all of humanity because John the Baptist is paving the way for God's ultimate pursuit of us, and that's Jesus. So, the reality is that everything that God does in our lives is good, it's good, and it's something we do not deserve. God is always at work around us. I've been learning that in our high school grow group. And he's working in our lives, pursuing us all the time because he loves us. All the time he's pursuing us. He's pursuing you. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote to you from the Experiencing God study we've been doing in the high school group. Let me pull it up right here. Can you go to the next slide? I don't know. Ways. All right. When we are passionate about a goal, we will do whatever it takes to achieve it. If we will do this for our goals, how much more will God pursue his goals? He desires to be in a relationship with you. But sin prevents you from ever finding or working your way to him. You can't do it because your sin stops you. So, because he knows that, God pursues you. That's incredible. You and I can't get to him on our own. So he comes to us. So God is always at work doing good in our lives. 
making our plans, making other people's plans, and even, he's this powerful, he's making Satan's plans work out for God's purposes for us. That is how much he loves us, and that is how powerful he is. If he couldn't do those things, he wouldn't be God, plain and simple. And that purpose for us that he has, that he's working all those other purposes for his purpose, revolves around him loving us, loving you, and wanting to be in a relationship with us. Which leads me back to this theme question for tonight. How will you respond? So let's consider the story of John the Baptist's birth. John's birth shows us that regardless of who we are or what we do, God gives mercy. Everybody say mercy. mercy. That's your first fill in the blank, Gilligan. We, we have a game going. Let me read the scriptures for us. This is what it says. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Now, if you remember, she was old and had never had children and was not supposed to be able to have kids. Not just of infertility issues, but also she's at the stage in her life where this should not be possible. But it, here it is. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. So I shared one fact about Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah. Let me, let me show, you, show you another one. So you know she was barren. Um, you know she was old. Zechariah was also really old. Everyone in their community knew about their situation because they were a tight-knit Jewish community. And in that time, when someone wasn't able to have children, it was thought of that God really didn't care for them. I was like, oh man, God must be mad at you. And then to add on that, on the positive end of the spectrum, bearing a son, not just, not, not just a child, but a son, a boy, was seen as God showing favor on someone. And that's you might think, oh my gosh, they're so patriarchal. That's not what this is about. This is not to say men are better than girls. Men carried the inheritance and of that culture were to take care of their mothers and their sisters and their outside family. Everything kind of focused, like your history, your, your whole life was dependent on you having a son to take care of you. I'm getting old. My knees are cracking. I can't imagine what I'm going to be like 85. I need somebody to take care of me. So to go from barren and old and then go to having a boy in that time was a huge deal. That was a big old deal. Everybody say big old deal. Big old deal. That's right. It was. And God, he really was showing Zechariah and Elizabeth mercy. He was being merciful to them. Think about this too. 
Zechariah, when he was told by the angel Gabriel, hey, you're going to have a kid, you're going to name him John, he didn't believe him. And so to show him how serious he was, he couldn't speak. God made it to where Zechariah could not speak. Like, Zechariah's response to the great mercy that God was promising for him was disbelief. And yet God still delivers on his promise. That's amazing mercy. And so, God followed through on his word, and they bore a son, not just any son. So, son is a big deal, boy is a big deal. But the son they're going to have happens to be one of the most important. Everybody say important. important. Great, thank you. This is important for you to understand. <laughs> they were about to have a son who is going to be one of the most important people to ever walk on this planet. More important than Obama. More important than Jay-Z. I know. He's the most important, one of the most important people to ever walk on this planet, okay? And the people, after he's born, they, look, they understand this. Like, the people understand, wow, it's not just that, you know, they're having a boy. They're saying, what then will this child be? They recognize that God was with this child. And then if you go on, in the Gospels, you see that even Jesus, who is the most important person to walk this earth, even Jesus, the most important person, identifies John's importance. He says, truly I tell you, among those born of women, that's every person, everybody born, you, you know you're born of a woman. Even if you were in a test tube, you had to have an egg from a woman. Anyone among those born of women, there's not... There has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. That means, according to Jesus, John is a bigger deal than Mary. John is a bigger deal than King David. John is a bigger deal than Pastor Caleb. Yeah, I know, right? Even me. That is so weird, dude. But I love you. Anyway. So... Thank you, bro. John's importance, he, he was important. Now, let me, let me pack this up for you so you understand it a little bit better. John's importance was completely, completely, it wasn't because he had blonde hair, blue eyes. It wasn't because he could shoot a basketball and make it every time. It wasn't because of any performance he did. It was completely connected to and defined by his relationship to Jesus. And how John was going to be God's instrument in making Jesus big. Everybody do this. Now say big. big. That was John's purpose. John's purpose, and hear this. You better understand this. This is what God wants your purpose to be and you to get. John's purpose was to make Jesus big. John even said, he must increase, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. That's the whole, that is the whole reason John is important. In his participation in the story of Jesus. And, and just, this is a side note. It's not necessarily part of, it is, but uh, for us, like John, our importance and usefulness and the blessing we are to people, like our parents 
and others around us, our importance and usefulness is also completely connected and defined by our relationship to Jesus. I hope you understand that. Why? Because Jesus is the most important person to have ever walked this planet. And it is imperative that people know that. And they know him. So if Jesus is big in our lives and we continue to get smaller while he just keeps getting bigger, then the more important and useful we will become here on this planet. I'm not telling you you don't have value. You have value. God created you with value. But let me, let me just make it abundantly clear to you. Your value is defined by God and Jesus is God. And if you want to have a legacy on this planet, it's not going to be in field goals or soccer goals or good grades or lots of money. One day you will die. And those things will not matter. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you a little secret. The people that you read about in your history books that you think you know about their real lives, you don't because people rewrite history. Even if you were to accomplish great things, someone's going to come along and rewrite that history. That's plain and simple. Your importance, you want a real legacy, Jesus has to get big, not you. So that leads me to say this. To be big, you have to become small so that Jesus is seen in and through you. Jesus taught this. Whoever wants to be the greatest, they got to be the least. Sorry, baby. <laughs> so God showed incredible mercy to Elizabeth and Zechariah by gracing them with John as a son. And John was going to make Jesus so, so big. Because regardless of who we are or what we've done, God gives mercy. All right. So when God gives mercy, this is our next point. That mercy deserves obedience. You couldn't figure that one out, huh-huh. Mercy deserves obedience. Now remember, the angel Gabriel gave instructions to Zechariah. Let's read it. He said, it says, the angel said to Zechariah, do not be afraid, Zechariah. But he was really scared. He probably wet his pants. He says, your prayer, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not lying. I bet it, you see an angel, they are terrifying the way they're described in the Bible. He was, it's like, oh my gosh, that thing's going to eat me. And he's like, don't be afraid. Okay. But he says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. That's huge. That is huge. I can only imagine. I mean, I, can, I think I have an idea, Zechariah being an older man and having a wife and they're not able to have children. I can imagine what he was praying because that's kind of our situation right now. I can imagine him, like, to, if I were to hear that, I'd be like, what? Praise God. He does hear my prayers, but 
to hear this, this is such an amazing statement. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Everybody say command. command. He's given a command. You're going to name him this. Not Jehoshaphat. Not Jophus. Not Joanna. Those are all J names. Not Jovi. Isn't that it? No? That's from Elf. I got their names mixed up. Oh, yeah. But John! Everybody say John. 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 So you're going to name him John. That's a command. So then let's look at what happens in verse 59. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, which is just part of their Jewish heritage. Uh, If you want to know what that is, ask me after this. I'm not going to tell you now. And they were going to name him after his father. So it's normal in their culture to name the firstborn son after the father. That's normal. But to name him John's not normal because... But his mother spoke up and said, no. So obviously, Zechariah had communicated some way with her. No, he is to be called John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. What, what's wrong with you, Elizabeth? Are you stupid? I'm just, side note, if you're, you're obeying Jesus and you're following him closely, you're going to get a lot of people telling you that. What the heck's wrong with you? You don't want to drink that? You don't want to smoke this? You don't want to do that? What the heck's wrong with you? We're all doing it. Are you stupid? But they are obeying. (laughs) They're both obeying. And here Elizabeth is resisting peer pressure. You can do it too, right? Getting loud. Then it says... They made signs to his father, Zechariah, to find out what he would like to name the child. Okay, Zechariah, you're, come on, come on, Zechariah. Name him Zechariah. And he asked for a writing tablet. Notice he's actually having to work at his obedience right here. He couldn't just say it. Like, can you imagine not being able to speak and people are trying to tell you what to do? Like, actually, kind of a nightmare. It's like you can't talk, you can't communicate, you're just sitting there and they're saying, you know, I think he would like his room painted red. I don't want my room painted red. If I can't speak, I'm not going to be able to, I I just imagined, like, that desperation he must have had. But he's working for his, towards his obedience. Immediately, what happened? Oh, yeah, he wrote his name as John. And immediately after he did this, followed through with what God told him to do. His mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And then he began to speak, praising God. Like, that's, oh, that's so cool. But the point I'm trying to make is even John's obedience required desperation and great effort. He had received mercy. He'd gotten a son, not just any son, but the man that Jesus says is going to be the greatest born of women besides Jesus, he'd, been received, he'd received this amazing mercy and his response is following through with what God commanded him to do. He had to pursue something to obey the angel's command. 
And, and this, is, this is what we should do, emulate, when we receive God's mercy. All of us who have placed our faith in Jesus because of what he's done for us, by dying for our sin, that's mercy. And that necessitates and really deserves our obedience. And I'm not saying you're not going to mess up, but there's more and more mercy. It even says he gives more mercy. <laughs> it's just more and more mercy that just keeps building our desire to obey him and walk with him. But this is like kindness being expressed from the heart of God towards you and me because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. And do you know this, that God's kindness, his love towards you, according to the Apostle Paul, all of these things are intended to lead you to repentance, which is obedience. You go from disobeying to obeying. That's what, it's not just, it's not, mercy doesn't just deserve obedience. It, it's actually purposed for obedience. I would just encourage you, don't waste the mercy you've received. Don't waste it. Because when we respond to God's mercy with our obedience, he will use it to bring himself more glory. Meaning, he's getting big. Jesus is getting big. When we respond, look at, look at this. Look at how everybody responds to this. After all this happens, fear came. Like, meaning like, holy cow, what was that? fell on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. Literally, people are going around and telling people about this amazing mercy that, that Elizabeth and Zechariah received. They're bragging on God because of this. He's getting glory. And God wants to do that with your life. And it says, all who heard them laid them up in their hearts. They're like treasuring. They're, they're basically worshiping God through this. What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. They are all getting prepared for the, the person who's better than John, Jesus. Obedience is really just about doing the things we said John was seen as important and useful for doing. This is, this is what's happening here. Their obedience, he must, Jesus must, God must increase and I must decrease. And that is what they are doing in response to the mercy they've received. And this isn't just for pastors. It's not just for super Christians. This is for everyone. Guys, gals, God wants to use you for something bigger than you can imagine. He wants to use you to tell people about how amazing he is. He wants people to come to Jesus through you. He wants to get a lot of glory, which is the best thing that your life could be used for. He wants to use you for that. Like, it's like being, you got this, these things on your shelf. How many of you have a favorite coffee mug? Or does you, who drinks coffee? You got a favorite coffee mug? Okay, do you have a um, favorite Toy, right? I mean, come on, come on. We, y'all, I know y'all play with toys. Come on. Do you have a favorite Xbox controller? No, Xbox sucks. Oh, how about PlayStation? That was a funny answer, but 
Here, here's the point. Imagine like, imagine it's like just set up there. You, you save it. It's like my favorite. I don't want to touch it. It's going to be used. And you're like, I got to pull it out for the best thing I'm going to do. You know what? I'm going to play this Call of Duty game and I'm going to whoop the floor with all of them. And I'm going to use my best controller to do it. I'm going to use my favorite controller to do the greatest thing I've ever done. And guys, that's what God wants to do with you. Like God wants to do the greatest thing that could ever be done Ever. And he wants you to be that controller that he pulls off the shelf to use for that. Like, that's how much he loves you and values you. And the things, he, like, guys, you got to give up what this world is telling you you should be living for. Whether it's uh, identity, whether it's uh, sex, whether it's, you know, finding a relationship or whatever. Whatever. All these things. you got to just lay that down. It is, it is it is garbage compared to Jesus. Not saying they're bad things. I'm just saying Jesus is so much better. And that's what God wants for you. I'm going so long, but I'm so pumped up right now. To be big, you have to become small so that Jesus is seen in and through you. If you want to be great, you got to become the least. You got to get small. So do you want your life Here's the real question. Do you want your life to be for the glory of God? Because if you do, then choose this day to respond to his mercy with obedience. Because when God gives mercy, that mercy deserves obedience. And so if I'm going to summarize this before I give you kind of an invitation and application, God gives everyone mercy, and in turn, he deserves our obedience. Now, I, I do want to say this. It's not just the mercy that makes him worthy of your obedience. Who God is makes him worthy of your obedience, period. But here's, here's the reality. He knows you're never going to see him for who he is without him showing you mercy. He knows that about you. He knows that about, he knew that about me. He had to show me mercy in order for me to see how worthy he is of my obedience. So he's worthy of his, your obedience, but he knows you'll never give it to him of yourself. You need him to show you mercy. That is amazing. I don't, if you don't understand how much God loves you through that, I don't know what else will, because that is amazing. So I want to give some invitations. There's two types of invitations tonight. This first one, if you're here tonight and you have never obediently responded to Jesus' work for you on the cross and in his resurrection, then I want to invite you to obediently respond. And what that looks like is for you to take what you believe and know to be true. You're like, I know Jesus is this. I know he did this. He's God the Son. He's Savior. He's he died for me. He's king of the cosmos. He's, he defeated death. You take all that and then you submit to it. You surrender to it. You're just like, oh, I'm, I, I submit. I'm it. Yeah, I want it. And then you tell him. You tell him, I, I'm sorry. I, I submit to this. I'm sorry for rejecting you. I'm, I want it. Please, please, I receive it. Give it to me. I, I want your mercy. And this is not just for someone not grown up in church. This is for anyone grown up in church. Your parents are Christians. You've been dragged to church. You've been baptized. 
I don't care. This is for anyone. If you have never submitted and surrendered to him, that's the first thing I would say. That in, I'm inviting you to do that. And then the, for those who have obeyed, obeyed Jesus and have believed it, then I want you just for a moment to be honest with yourself and honest with God, honestly. How, how active are you in submitting to Jesus? Like, are you, is it, are you just like, uh, uh, or are you like getting up in the morning and just like, all right, I surrender, I surrender. If you're not doing that, and I'm going to be honest, I struggle with this. If you're not doing that, then tonight, just be honest with God. Tell him you are struggling with that and ask him. Remember, you need his mercy in order to see his worth of obedience. So ask him to show you more mercy to help you with that, okay? So, how will you respond? Um, let's take a couple minutes real quick. Will you hit the lights, Aaron?